Hello everybody, welcome to episode 82 of the Two Girls One Book podcast. It's, uh, oh I'm Hannah and you heard Rhiannon just (laughs) very, very far away over there. Hello. (laughs) Um, This is a short stories episode so quick fire, brief thoughts and feelings on a few of the books that we've read in the last few weeks. Yes. Some of them are ARCs that we got given so we've both read them and some of them are just our own picks. Yeah. So I figured we would kick off with a book that we briefly mentioned in our last episode. So I thought we should start with Not the End of the World by Hannah Ritchie, which is a non-fiction pick that we were sent by Vintage Books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It is kind of a straight-talking, anti-anxiety look at climate change. And I... I really enjoyed it, actually. There's a lot. Yeah, of, me too. A lot of data in it, which could be quite heavy, I think. But actually, it was kind of set out in quite a an easy, accessible way. Yeah. And yeah, I think we both feel a little bit like well, a bit doom and gloom sometimes about climate change. It seems like it's one of those big problems that's too big for us to fix. And this is the antidote to that. So I thought it was really fun. If climate yeah. change can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely made it accessible and um, a lot more easier to di- to digest. I think when um, when we got sent the message about this, this book um, and the way it was sort of described as a... It's, a... it's almost like a positive spin on the awfulness that is climate change. And it's not... Um, her denying any of the bad stuff that's going on she's super clear and uh concise in all of the issues that we do face and she has like hannah says there's there's so many like facts and figures and graphs and all of that kind of thing in here to back up um what she's saying but i think the aim of the book is to give you tangible things that we can do as the little the little people in inverted commas and that the uh, broader spectrum the politicians the the lawmakers your big corporations the, the things that they have to do in order to fix the problems but I think what what was really refreshing about this was that she set out all all of the things that are going right as well as the things that are going not so right yeah (laughs) and how she is saying that we are living in the most sustainable era yeah and it's hard to believe because we're still the the generation where you know the battle of against single use plastics and trying to eradicate fossil fuels which just seems like you're banging a, your head against a brick wall at times and all of that kind of thing she she's very clearly outlines what how far we've come and yeah. Yes, how far we still have to go, but I think it was 
a really refreshing look and made me feel like it's it's not a never-ending stream of shit <laughs> yeah I think the feeling that I got at the end of it was was quite hopeful which is yeah. is nice because there is a kind of point where you're just like oh what is the point in me washing this mm-hmm. bit of plastic film to recycle it if it's not going to make a difference and yeah. the glaciers are all going to melt and the polar bears are all going to die and actually what she says is if you look at the trends of what we have been doing actually we are making a positive change there's a lot more that the big people yeah. can do but I found it really Uh, quite inspiring actually so I think it's a really good one and great for people of our generation that kind of millennial mid-30s where I feel like it's not that people of older generations don't worry but it's definitely more in our lifetime going to be an issue Um, so I think it was I I really enjoyed it thoroughly recommend for a non-fiction read yeah each it's it's broken into various different sections so for example it's bit about deforestation there's stuff about the the oceans and overfishing and in each section she also ends it by saying like what are the things that you should be doing yeah like what what can you what can you not be so bothered about don't get too het up if you can't wash that one bit of plastic out and recycle it for example and like the the things that are actually going to make a difference as for us as individuals as well as the the big corporations etc um so i i thought yeah i thought it was a really good read and i think anyone who's got a concern about what's going on in the planet which is hopefully most people yeah um with a conscience uh i think it's a a valuable read So yeah, a good start. Cool. My uh, next first fiction book, which is slightly non-fiction adjacent, that I'm going to speak about is The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, which I've had on my shelf for absolutely donkey's (laughs) years. (laughs) It's because it's a hardback. I just keep putting them off. And then I finally was like, no, I'm going to get to it. So this is set... It's uh, historical fiction based around the creation of the Oxford English Dictionary and it's set against the backdrop of the women's suffrage movement. So the protagonist is Esme and she's the daughter of lexicographer. I hope that's how you say it. it. Um, Harry Nicholl. And she spends her early days sitting beneath a table in her father's workplace, which is um, the scriptorium which is basically a glorified garden shed where they are Hmm. putting together the Oxford English Dictionary, the first edition. Okay. So when a rogue slip of paper with a word on it kind of floats her way and she realises it's either been misplaced or kind of chosen to be left out of the dictionary, she pops it in a secret little hiding place and begins her own collection of words that for whatever reason have not made it into the actual dictionary um as she comes of age she starts to kind of make her own connections outside of the scriptorium and it's in the streets and markets of oxford that she starts to see women from other walks of life and hear the words that they use and she realizes that it's those words more than anything that don't find their way into the dictionary the words of uh, women but also of people of um, lower classes and 
she sees the importance of these words as part of our language and the language of these poorer women. So she starts to make her own dictionary of these lost words. Um, I I enjoyed this book. I just felt like it was a little slow to start. I think it was quite complicated, the process that they had of of collecting these words people would send them in from all over the country and they all had their own pigeonhole so that they could make sure they had the correct definition and the correct quotations and I think in her explaining how it all worked um no pun intended it was quite wordy <laughs> and right. it it was quite slow for me to get into but as she started to venture out and make her own connections and live her own life a little bit it did pick up the pace and I got quite engaged in it um she was a really likable character but her friends outside of the scriptorium were more engaging I felt there was one called Tilda who was like an actress and quite active in the women's suffrage movement she was a bit of a rebel um it was just a really nice study of the importance of words um and also how it's not just the the fancy words that that really show you who people are and what's important to them. So okay. I did enjoy it. I think it was just me. I pick, I think it was my first read of 2024, um, okay. and I gave it a four stars, only because of that slow pacing at the beginning. But I'd recommend it to anyone who likes words. Nice, cool. Okay, uh, my. Uh, first book that I'm going to talk about is The Book of Beginnings by Sally Page. Um, I fancied sort of a, a nice easy read and this seemed like something that would tick that box. Um, and, it, and it was actually. It was um, one that I just randomly picked up in Tesco, I think. Um, and it's about a lady in her 30s called Jo who is going through or has gone through uh, a breakup fairly recently and has moved down to London to take care of her uncle's uh, shop, which is like a stationery shop. Um, he's suffered a stroke and... Um, so she's now the now the caretaker of this stationery shop down in London. It's all kind of worked out quite nicely because she needed to get away and have a bit of a fresh start for a little while. Um, and there she ends up meeting um, a, a lady called Ruth, otherwise known as the runaway vicar. We don't know why she's run away, but... Maybe you'll find out if you read it. <laughs> um, and uh, an, an old old dude called Malcolm. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it had the recipe for being uh, the kind of book that I like with the, you know, your, your OAP, ra random OAPs that are, yeah, interesting characters who have lived lives and have uh, some interesting backstories and sort of secrets and stuff um and they they basically form a little coalition um and she goes it 
it's it's a sort it's a journey of friendship really that's 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 all it is is they learn about each other and they learn how they can help each other because joe has been feeling very lonely after her breakup and she's definitely realizes that she maybe neglected her friendships um with her peers uh during the time that she was with this guy it was who was obviously a complete turd so <laughs> um it was a really nice book i it, it didn't change my life but i had a nice time reading it um it was kind of one of those just nice nice and heartwarming and yeah i think i gave it like three and a half stars um i would i would read more it was it was well written i would read more by her her um but that's about all i can say on the matter really okie doke (laughs) (laughs) well i've got one which i guess it was heartwarming in the end but i thought my next book was going to be a nice easy read kind of summer vibes in january (laughs) to kind of cheer me up um, it's called This Could Be Everything by Eva Rice. I am just going to show oh, yeah. you the cover have, of I've it. I've seen this. I, I, picked, I think I picked it up and read the back of it in Tesco. It's so pretty. It's like a fruit yeah. salad bar on the front, yeah, like is, bright yeah. pink and yellow. So I was like, yes, amazing. Summer vibes. It is not that. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I feel like it is worth kind of talking about just so that people know what they're getting into. So it is set in the 1990s, Notting Hill. So that kind of cool, colourful music era. And the protagonist is um, February Kingdom is her name, which was my first annoyance because that is a stupid name. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so February is living in Notting Hill with her aunt and uncle after the death of both of her parents in mm. the King's Cross fire, which I knew nothing about but have since researched. And um, only six months ago, she also lost her twin sister, Diana. Yeah. So it's actually not that light. <laughs> light she's, no. she's not had a great time, has she? No. Um so, I mean, the King's Cross Cross fire, just very quickly, is a real thing that happened in 1987 where there was a fire at King's Cross Underground Station and it was one of those kind of flashovers and the fire just went from an escalator and killed, like, 30 people. A real thing oh, that right. happened. I'd never heard yeah. of it. No, me either. Um, and she's really struggling. She's borderline agoraphobic, stuck in her own hole, refusing to live life and really deep in her grief when one May evening she goes down into the kitchen and she finds an escaped canary just sitting in the kitchen. And he, yellow, he is called the canary, um, unexpectedly becomes kind of the catalyst for her to get out and start living her life. So she ventures out to try to find yellow's owner and that leads to her making connections with um, Theo, who is yellow's owner. And as a result of that, going off on a few little adventures, it's slow paced again. And I think I did struggle because I didn't particularly connect with February, partly because she had a stupid name and partly because she was very insular at the very beginning. That She's not really connecting with anybody else. So it's quite hard to make that connection with her. Mm. Um, 
but it did ramp up a little bit. I think the what I enjoyed more was her interactions with her aunt and uncle. They've got a sideline storyline that's going on, which is quite interesting and felt a little bit more believable maybe than February's storyline. But it was an easy enough read. The writing style was really good and it was an interesting concept. I think just um, maybe almost a little too um, Notting Hill cool girl for me. Um, But there was some fun little references to like Kate Moss as she had just been discovered. She was like 15 years old at the time. Um, There's a little cameo from Michael Hutchins of In Excess fame. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was fun, but also quite sad. And and I felt like maybe for how long it felt reading it, I didn't feel like the payoff at the end was maybe worth it. It was kind of a, uh, at the end. Right. Um, So yeah, maybe three stars okay okay Mate, are we starting the year feeling like harsh <laughs> <laughs> i think so i i kind of am but i don't know well Let's i've see. also started i know i'd mentioned on the um fa- on the instagram page that i'm starting this really ridiculous rating system I've seen. Yeah. Where, where you rate the different elements of a book so that you get more of a of a fair idea and actually what it's made me realize is some of the books I really thought I hated had elements that I did enjoy and vice versa so I've um I think it'll make for a fairer scoring system this year but also it does make me feel a little bit mean at times (laughs) oh for sure I mean I, I think I will always base my ratings on vibes I think that a lot of readers are that way inclined (laughs) <laughs> if if you like the vibes then it gets good marks um, yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that 99 percent of the books that i read are good books in most ways but sometimes they're just not good books for me yeah and then there's the occasional thing where you think how is this published <laughs> <laughs> but that's very rare that's very rare um i so the next book I'm going to go for, I understand why it was published, because uh, it's by Kristin Hanna. Oh. <laughs> so this was the this was the the next book, um, of hers that I have read. So my number one book last year was Great Alone, and that was my first book, first Kristin Hanna book. So I had immediately purchased. I think I've got five. Well, I've got four on my shelf now, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um. And I picked this one for a January read because it's Winter Garden. So, you know, it seems <laughs> quite a literal reason. reason. Yep. <laughs> um, and also, I, it's a, a very much my comfort genre because it's, it's World War II. It's set around the Siege of Leningrad, um, which isn't really an area of the war that I know a great deal about. So that interested me um it was great (laughs) um it didn't quite hit me the way the great alone did Mm -hmm. um so basically this story is set uh it flits between um some uh, pair of sisters um and it's meredith meredith and nina and they they live in well they're american um and on their father's 
dying wish is for them to become closer to their mother because they've always been not estranged from like they they've lived they've lived with their mother but they've never really they've never had a close or good relationship with their mother their mother's quite a closed off person um and so yeah his dying wish is for them to actually get to know each other um and the way that they're going to do this is there's there was this fairy tale that she always used to tell them when they were younger and then um whatever for whatever reason at some point in their childhood that fairy tale just stopped and they never they never heard it again um and so the father had said you need to get her to tell you the the whole story Mm -hmm. and so it took me a little while to get into it because uh it flits between the two daughters and then going into this fairy tale mm-hmm. and I found at the very beginning I found going into the fairy tale a little bit jarring but as you go along and then you sort of realize how it's how it all is intertwined and how it pans out like it it makes so much more sense so once I'd got into it into the flow um I was fully invested it was I mean I can't say I know what typical Kristen Hannah is because I've only read one other of her books but it's very beautifully descriptive like the places you you can 100% imagine yourself there I could imagine myself in Leningrad I could imagine myself in they run a family um they run an orchard uh so I could imagine myself there Mm -hmm. um there's there's a bit of Alaska in there as well revisit Alaska (laughs) um so yeah all of the the places were so vividly descriptive it's obviously very emotional as well I feel like that must be something that's just like on her tick list of things Mm -hmm. have I written something that is potentially going to make everybody cry yes great done um I didn't cry on this (laughs) occasion um but I could if quite feasibly I could have done I feel like if I had been a different time of the month than I probably would have done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's just made me realise that yeah, she's she's going to be one of my go-to authors. So I will keep plugging my way through. Maybe I'll try and read like one Kristen Hannah a month or something, just to yeah. get through all of them, um, and then I'll I'll report back once I've completed completed Kristen Hannah. Um, but yeah her new one's out soon isn't it so yeah I think that'll be on my list yeah by the way I'm sorry if my voice has gone a bit I think it has gone a little bit funny as I've been speaking (laughs) because I've been ill for like the last four days I've just been on the sofa I've literally like done nothing and I've barely spoken any words the most (laughs) I've spoken since four days ago so Feel like my voice is just gradually giving out. Um, <laughs> we but, need to hurry up. Yeah, exactly. Before it goes completely. <laughs> okay. Well, let's rattle on then. From one descriptive writer to another. Mm. Um, this is Piglet by Lottie Hazel, which we both have read. We were gifted it by Penguin Random House, I think it was. Um, it's Double Day. Oh, Double Day. There you go. Yeah. Got it wrong. Um, yeah. And this one I'm excited to talk about because I know that we've got differing opinions on this book. Yeah. I 
so I'll tell you a little bit about it first. So Piglet, which is obviously not the character's real name, she seems to be living the dream. She's a cookbook editor due to get married to her fairly well-to-do fiancé, Kit. Mm -hmm. And we meet her preparing for a housewarming meal in their newly purchased home in Oxford. Um, Two weeks before their wedding date, Kit confesses a secret that he's kept from her. And Piglet begins to seek solace in her favourite thing, which is food. Um, As the day itself looms ever closer, she continues with her planning, juggling her own and others' expectations. And... um, she's still trying to kind of struggle to come to terms with the secret that he's told her that we don't find out. Spoiler alert, you will go all the way through this book thinking, oh yes, here we go, we're going to find out, we're going to find out, and we don't find out. (laughs) Um, There's, yeah, so there's a wedding, there's a secret, there's a baby on the way, um, and there's a whole heap of food and food descriptions, and I just could not get enough of this book. I read it in like two hours. I didn't put it down. I was absolutely engrossed. Um, I thought there was just the right element of kind of chaos and control. I felt she was a very likable character and I could really understand her motivation and her reactions to things. But I'm guessing, is that where you didn't get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, right. I'll start with the fact that like it's it's beautifully written and all of the food descriptions and everything were amazing and if I hadn't have been so sort of grossed out and disgusted by <laughs> everything then then I would have felt hungry but yeah. the fact of the matter was that I just felt I just felt so weirded out by by the whole thing like it just it it felt too dark for me to be hungry and so I kind of didn't understand why why we had all of these these foodie descriptions which were were obviously there to try and make you feel hungry and, and want to eat and understand her compulsion to eat but I was I just felt sick (laughs) by it so so I think I I didn't I didn't not like the book Mm -hmm. just putting but I didn't I didn't like the way that it made me feel yeah there is a definite kind of ick I think it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable oh for sure yeah so I guess there should be trigger warnings which it's obviously around control and eating disorders. I thought yeah. I was going to be a little bit more triggered, but my mm. issue was always not eating, not eating too much. So I think I was all right. But I guess if you maybe have a history with that, it might be a little bit triggering. Um, but it's obviously meant to make you feel uncomfortable and unsettled and um, kind of uncertain is how I felt the whole way through. I didn't know how she was going to react and yeah. as it kind of got further and further closer to the wedding day, I still felt unsure about what decision she was going to make and how it was going to play out. Um, so I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I I loved her. I thought her friends were really endearing, great characters, believable and supportive, but not walk pushovers. I like that they stood up to her a little bit. And yeah. I really, I like the dynamic between her and the two families that 
Yeah, she I was, liked the families. Yeah, she was like straddling. She always felt like she had like one foot in each, in two places. Like she wanted to be kind of relaxed with her family, but also she definitely fitted in with Kit's family. And she wanted to be perfect and show everyone that she was perfect, but also she just wanted to let go and lose control a bit. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that lost me with her was that she was a bit of a nubbed to her own family. Like, she yes. seemed embarrassed of where she'd come from and for for no good reason, as far as I could tell. And that, I think that grated on me. It's just like having no appreciation for, for sort of where, for where you're from. Um, so that I think there were just like certain things in her personality that made me more annoyed at her yeah <laughs> and like i completely can sympathize with having to like make those tough decisions like is this something i can get over what i think was di- is difficult as the reader w- with this one is that we're not we're not party to the information so I feel like I can't make an informed decision as to like whether her decision is a good one or not. So I think that's why my brain felt like mush the whole way through because I was just like, I, I don't know if you're absolutely unhinged. Like, yeah, did this dude kill someone? Did this dude just like kiss someone down the pub? Like, so many different things that he could have done, and so your mind's like in a complete world and all this time you're meant to be hungry no i wasn't <laughs> i was just confused yeah i get so, i get that i think that's what i liked about not knowing the answer to the secret was it it let my mind go everywhere the darkest ideas and the kind of not so dark ideas so i i quite liked that level yeah. of uncertainty that it gave me so yeah yeah I, I I feel like I feel like we as women tend to spiral enough as it is though without having to spiral for a fictional character <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like I I, I don't want to have to deal with your shit as well I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there was just like a, a lot in of this book where I was just thinking I oh, I need to get this finished because it's, it's stressing me out um so yeah I didn't I didn't not enjoy it at all like it was it was it was brilliantly written and I think that it'll give a lot of people a lot of talking points and everyone will interpret things in a different way and oh yeah it it was a bit of a stressful one for me (laughs) if I'm being honest I think for me it was the Early on, there's a description of a roast dinner that she's making. And I'm like a lifelong vegetarian, will not eat a roast chicken. But but I wanted to eat that roast chicken as it was like being described to me with the bread and the whipped butter on the table. And I was like, yes, put it in front of me right now. So I just, yeah, yeah, the food descriptions were amazing. I think some people will love it and some people like you will just go, I don't like this, I don't need this. Yeah, it's just the thing is that I I really love food. I love food much more than you love food. (laughs) I love eating and I really felt like those descriptions were almost just 
I was passing them by because yeah. I was just like, well, I'm not, I'm not hungry because I'm stressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it was confusing. <laughs> Fair enough. We love a good talking. A book that makes you talk and debate and have like opinions, I think, is far better than just a meh book. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, the next book that I um, have read, this was the first, my first one of, of the year. Um, and it's been on my shelf for ages. I think it was probably, I think it was one of the first Waterstones orders that I did um, when we started our bookstagram page. So I think it's been okay. on my shelf since like the beginning of 2021. Right. Um, so a while. <laughs> and I don't know why I just haven't got around to it. It's like, it's not a massive book. It was a book that genuinely interested me. So I haven't seen it a load though on Bookstagram. Um, so this is All Girls by Emily Layden. And <clears throat> it's set at a posh boarding school um, in Connecticut, I think. Uh, yeah. And I always loved like a boarding school setting. I didn't go to boarding school, but, you know, loved a Mallory Towers vibes. Um, so that that was what initially drew me to it. Uh, but the, the idea of this book is, this particular school is mired in controversy in the year that we're, that we're um, following it, uh, as there's been some allegations of past uh, sexual misconduct between okay. uh, staff, a staff member, or several staff members and students um, in the past. Um, I was interested in this because my, not my school, but my college was definitely mired in plenty of controversy surrounding <laughs> that. Um, and generally that they're all like of age. So it's not, uh, it's not, illegal as such but mm -hmm. it's very much um frowned upon <laughs> shall we say um and yeah it's an abuse of power isn't it so uh, this book is basically a discussion on that um and it's told from the points of view of several different girls so they're they're not very long chapters um and i i think maybe that was good because like the pace kept kept up and it follows throughout the the course of the year so sort of one character picks up where the last let um mm -hmm. lets off um and they all obviously have slightly differing takes on things that they're, they're in different years in the school so they're at different stages and different different investments i guess in the staff and and mm -hmm. the school itself um and it was interesting sort of reading the how how the school school dealt with this how what they did right what they did wrong there were some really interesting discussions um in it i i liked it i think that i i didn't because of the nature of it being like being told by lots of different girls you don't you don't particularly get close to any of them but i don't think that's particularly the point um it's not it's not really a, a character study more of a study of the the social um situation mm -hmm. uh, and expectations on 
educational establishments to make sure that kids are safe um and i think that's a very like of its time book as well it's definitely something that working in schools now is something that schools are so aware of like i i don't work at a boarding school anymore but i did Mm -hmm. um for quite a number of years and yeah the the things that they are concerned about now um like all of that was addressed really within within this book um and i think the author i think she comes from an educational background as well um yeah she's a a graduate of stanford university and has taught at several girls schools in the united states so she's obviously coming from a position of knowing yeah that these are issues (laughs) um and yeah, I think it's an it's an ongoing battle. It's really hard, especially if you're in that kind of insular world. Um, just sort of going going from sort of my uh, higher education perspective, where we had one on one tuition, and mm-hmm. you have such close relationships, and you're seeing these people day in day out. You're in a bubble, aren't you? And you yeah. have that that trust with those members of staff. Um, and I think, yeah, when you're young, those kind of relationships can be misconstrued and mm-hmm. it's up to the staff members to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, sure, you might be an 18-year-old girl, but you're still a kid, really, <laughs> at that yeah. age. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting interesting read i i liked it i think i made i think i gave it like four stars it was an interesting commentary uh easy enough to read given though it was quite a tricky subject yeah um but it felt maybe a little bit surface level at at times just because it's it's not a huge deep dive but Uh yeah it's good Okay, we're nearly there. Don't worry, you can rest your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last book is one which I think I've had on my shelf since 2021, Mm -hmm. which is The Last House on Needless Street by Catriona Ward. And so many people, anytime I've included it in a stack or anything, have been like, oh my goodness, I love that book. So I've known I needed to get to it. Mm -hmm. I just haven't until now. So it's a thriller slash psychological mystery so I won't really say too much on it and I certainly won't spoil anything for you Um, but the basic plot is that 11 years ago um, a little girl went missing on a family trip to the lake she was never discovered so now in present day her sister Dee um, has made it her mission to find out what happened to her And she has focused her attention on Ted Bannersmith, who is a um, local recluse who lives in the last house on Needless Street. So she's got it in her head that he had something to do with it. She's not quite sure what. And the story is told from multiple points of view. It's told from Dee's point of view as she's gathering evidence on the situation It's told from Ted's point of view, a young girl called Lauren, who Ted calls his daughter, and his cat, Olivia, which 
was a little bit weird at first and took a little getting used to. Um, but as the story jumps from each of their points of view, you start to learn a little bit more about their motivation and the parts that they play in the overall story. Um, it was 100% an edge of your seat read. I think with those books where the points of view switch so quickly, it does kind of lend that pacing to just be like, you just want to get to the next section where you're reading about that person. So I f- flew through it in a day. It was really easy to read. And I spent the whole time theorizing, diagnosing, coming up with crazy ideas as to what the, t- the twist was going to be. And I think I was kind of almost there by about halfway. I'd got it sussed. But that did not stop me enjoying it at all. If anything, it increased my investment in the story. It was a very surprising way for the story to develop. And I really, really like that because I read so many things which are kind of that predictable, like serial killer story. And this is not that. And there are still secrets that are like kept right until the very, very end. So I thought that was really good to keep me invested in all of these characters and still keep the secret until right at the end. Um, All of the characters were super believable. Even the cat was believable. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not in the way that I didn't think she was actually talking, but she was, I could imagine a little cat kind of having that thought process, even if they couldn't vocalize it. And um, yeah, I thought it was just spectacularly done. It wasn't, super spooky or creepy that I think probably you could it wasn't gory yeah. um there are kind of trigger warnings to do with um child abuse and things like that which might be a little bit upsetting for some but it's not very very graphic okay it's more the kind of psychological side of what's going on in all of their heads sure um okay. It was spectacularly done, and I can't believe I left it so long. Oh, good, good. Well, um, that's a nice, a nice start of round roundup for what month are we in? January. January. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So next time we'll have a featured read, TBC. Yep. Still, but we'll figure it out. But otherwise, yeah, we'll. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls, One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all, all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls, One Book Pod. So come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us next time.